This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The Liberal government has approved the controversial Trans Mountain Expansion Project for a second time. It's designed to carry nearly a million barrels of oil from Alberta's oil patch to the B.C. coast every day. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was out in front trying to balance his image as an environmental steward with economic realities as we head into an election. He also committed to directing all the money the government will earn from the pipeline estimated at about $500 million a year to investments in unspecified green energy projects. As you can imagine, the reaction was swift. Indigenous groups immediately vowed to appeal the decision. On the right, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer cast doubts on whether Trudeau actually wants the pipeline built, as well as his sincerity about supporting the energy industry. On the left, there was unequivocal opposition, with Green Party leader Elizabeth May calling the move an example of cynicism and hypocrisy at a level that is quite breathtaking. Now, we are going to get to your calls shortly. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. But first, I would like to welcome Green Party leader Elizabeth May. Hello. Hello, how are you? Fine. Thank you so much for being uh, with us. Thank you for joining Fight Back. Thank you. What is your reaction to this? Well, I think I, I have to give some context in that I was an intervener in the first rounds of the hearing, so I'm intimately familiar with all the evidence that was brought forward and the, the, uh, the, the failure to provide key evidence on whether this project is in Canada's interest at all. So there's been a tremendous amount of propaganda to claim that we're somehow losing uh, revenue as a country because exporting raw bitumen uh, it, without to the United States doesn't give us a, a price benefit. This is actually not the case, and, and economists in BC have uh, debunked these claims over and over again. But somehow the Rockies uh, divide us, and we don't actually hear in central Canada the ways in which this project fails any sniff test as economically viable, as in the national interest, or good for jobs. As a matter of fact, the largest trade unions in northern Alberta also intervened in that process before the National Energy Board to make the case that the pipeline would cost Canadian jobs and isn't a good idea. So I have a lot of history with this going back to when it was first being proposed. It never would have occurred to me in a million years, and certainly not in the 2015 election when Justin Trudeau pledged that the pro- no project, he said, could be approved based on the, the shoddy hearings that took place before the National Energy Board. He would restart the process and make sure the project had a proper environmental review. That didn't happen. But if anyone had told me in the 2015 election that Justin Trudeau would be announcing that the government of Canada is about to spend public resources estimated at between 9 and $13 billion dollars 
to build a pipeline after Kinder Morgan walked away with it with $4.5 billion in their pockets for selling us the 65-year-old pipeline that they initially bought here. I just wouldn't have believed it. It would have sounded so um, uh, unlikely as to be um, implausible for, for instance, a political satirical work. You would say, this can't happen. You've, uh, uh, but you've... here we are with a government that claims that we're in a climate emergency, uh, announcing that we're going to spend public money to increase greenhouse gases. Uh, you've characterized this almost as a personal betrayal. Well, yes, because I know Justin Trudeau, and I have had many meetings with him explaining the facts of the matter of uh, what bitumen can and can't do, and I find it I find it really uh, distressing because I, I do maintain friendships across party lines, and this decision is massively cynical. The idea, for instance, as in your intro, that every dollar this project makes will go into clean energy. This is public money in the billions of dollars that could be spent immediately on green energy projects to create many more jobs and to avoid increasing greenhouse gases at a time that we've been shown to be failing uh, the the commitments we took in Paris in 2015 when Justin Trudeau announced to the world that Canada is back. Uh, and I'm afraid it feels like Harper is back. Uh, obviously, this is based largely on political realities. I'm sure you recognize that Alberta, the home of the energy industry, uh, they really want this pipeline built. They believe the government has abandoned their industry. You have a whole bunch of conservative premiers who want to reverse the carbon tax. Uh, and in the meantime, your party's fortunes seem to be soaring. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm more, I'm, I, I stay focused on what it means for the country. And this project is not in our interest. Uh, Alberta, of course, whether it was Rachel Notley or Jason Kenney, have been beating a drum with claims that just don't add up. So uh, if you look at the energy industry in Alberta right now, not to get too deeply into the weeds, but companies like Husky, Synovus, Suncor, and others are making a premium on their exports because they're upgrading bitumen. A lot of people talk about oil as oil as oil. This is a very different product. This is a, a solid material that can't throw, flow through a pipeline until it's diluted with toxic fossil fuel condensate, and then it can flow. It's one of the reasons that it's very dangerous in a spill is because diluent mixed with bitumen uh, separates and becomes um, virtually impossible to clean up as a result of the, the fact that it's a solid mixed with a condensate. The, but the companies that are making a lot of money aren't trying to ship raw bitumen out of the country. They're upgrading it, and that process converts solid bitumen into something called synthetic crude. And it's a synthetic crude product. They're receiving a premium on their exports. So it, we're, the rest of Canada is being told a lot about how this is so unfair to Alberta. Uh, the reality of it is that we should be thinking about a national energy policy that is consistent with our climate goals, which is why the Green Party has been calling for using Canadian oil only while we go off of it, because while we're arguing in this very contentious, difficult debate about shipping bitumen raw to countries, which, by the way, there isn't a market for bitumen in Asia. That's another one of the, the falsehoods that's being spread, is that there's a, a clamoring market in Asia for our bitumen, and we can't get it there because we don't have a pipeline to the coast. Uh, that's 
that's not the case. And the bitumen that currently leaves as diluted bitumen in tankers from the port of Vancouver, uh, and there is some now that, that uh, Kinder Morgan was shipping out, uh, goes to the United States. So the idea that this is going to diversify our markets, help our economy, and all of that is really deeply embedded in political machinations and propaganda. Uh, so while Alberta claims to be upset about all this, really its, its energy sector was hit hard by the price of oil falling when uh, Saudi Arabia increased its output to affect the price of oil. We're, we are a country that is, of course, hit hard by global phenomena, whether it's the falling price of a barrel of oil or the reality of a climate crisis, which means that quite a lot of multinationals have exited the oil sands already because they don't want to be left with what is generally referred to as stranded assets in unburnable carbon because the, even large energy companies and large oil companies recognize that we, we have to go off fossil fuels uh, to, to be able to continue uh, human civilization on this planet, which is a rather large-scale risk. Uh, so when when I look at it, I, I I know we're one country. I don't like divisiveness. I hold town hall meetings and public sessions in Alberta and right across the country, and Canadians from one part of this country to another are really one big family, and we shouldn't let politicians divide us as effectively as they have over issues like pipelines. Well, uh, the people who oppose it uh, are very vociferous. And uh, I know when I hear from our callers, if they're on the other side of the issue, uh, it, it's a, a very emotional thing. So again, going into the election and you are doing well, you're, uh, you know, you, you're challenging the NDP on the left. How are you going to go up against, uh, you know, the, the large number of conservative governments who are opposing carbon tax and who are for the pipeline? Well, I, the, I think it's important to keep a conversation fact-based and civil. Uh, the, the approach, the green... Amen. Take, we, well, we take, a, <laughs> yeah. we take an approach based on consensus decision-making. We're calling for a council of Canadian governments to get people to the same table. We are a country that's remarkably devoid of unifying national policies. You probably know me. We don't have a national cultural policy. We don't have a national energy policy. We don't have a national transportation policy. And if we could get around the same table, federal provincial, municipal order of government, very important to have at the table, and indigenous First Nations, Métis, and Inuit at the same table, taking these issues one at a time, but, you know, in simultaneous tables and saying, look, what's in the best interest of this country? Now, in terms of energy policy, at least the Greens think one thing we should look at is energy security. Why are we being dependent on oil from Saudi Arabia, for example? We don't need it. We shouldn't be importing it. We don't need oil from the United States either. We we should be self-sufficient on a, a basis of production that is declining so that we can meet our climate targets. In that transition, what, what helps Alberta in that situation? Well, uh, they have improved their refining capacity quite a lot. We were calling for new refineries to be built. That has, that process has started. We should be able to use Canadian oil in Canada as we go off oil. So I, you know, we, we import, uh, quite a lot to Eastern Canada from Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, Venezuela, Kazakhstan, less 
now from Norway because their North Sea oil is declining. At the same time, we need to, you know, take, well, it's almost impossible to do when I say take the politics out of it when you've got someone like Doug Ford in Ontario saying that, that, that cancelling uh, a very good scheme that had been put in place where Ontario and Quebec were in a shared market with California. But California and, and Quebec are continuing on that road. And the federal backstopped uh, carbon tax program means that we will continue to see a price on carbon. And, and I'm very critical of, of Trudeau on this pipeline issue and also on climate for not having the target that actually meets our Paris agreement. We're, we're, we are on, we have maintained Stephen Harper's uh, climate target, which is quite weak compared to most countries in the world. But I think they've got it right on the way they've structured their carbon price, which is to say that if a con- any province that doesn't put a price on carbon, uh, the federal government will tax those polluters and return the money to the province. So in that sense, um, if they're Ford and Scott Moe and, and uh, uh, Jason Kenney, the premiers who are the most vociferous on this point, are not going to be able to remove carbon pricing from our national plan because it's been baked in through a backstop program. The problem is the national plan was failing to meet our Paris targets before Justin Trudeau decided to expand oil sands emissions by spending public money uh, in the billions of dollars to build a pipeline that still will be opposed in court by Indigenous peoples and still will be opposed by most of the municipalities in British Columbia. Final Um, question, uh, Elizabeth May. What do you make of Andrew Scheer's climate plan that he just released? I've been trying to get all the details of it. I think, number one, I'm pleased he's done it. I have to check because he says he's committed to confirming the Paris targets. Uh, since the, the ter- I just was mentioning the term Paris target is used differently by different people, unless he's committed to a doubling of the current target so that we can hold global average temperature to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, as the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has warned us we must, that his plan will also p- fail to pass the SNF test. But I'm very happy to see that he's committed to bringing in energy efficiency and the eco-energy retrofit program. I don't know why he's slated it as only a two-year program. We need to do much more than that. But I, I plan to read it in detail with interest. And I do keep an open mind, although I think we, we set the bar with our mission possible. That's an aggressive climate plan to make sure that we um, protect every job and at the same time, stop using fossil fuels entirely by the year 2050 uh, and by 60% less by the year 2030. And that's where Greens will, throughout the election, continue to bring people back to the reality. What does your plan do to the global atmosphere? And if it's if it's not sufficient to avoid those levels of climate catastrophe that threaten human civilization, uh, then they're not good enough. Okay. Thank you so much, Elizabeth May, leader of the Green Party. Bye-bye. Okay. uh, We are now going to look at some of the other side of this. Let's bring in Pierre Polievre. He's an MP for Carleton, five-term member of Parliament, and uh, the Conservative Shadow Minister of Finance. Hi, Pierre. Good to be with you. Well, what is your reaction? Justin Trudeau finally okayed the pipeline after uh, uh, the Supreme, the court, uh, you know, delayed it because of the court had originally said there was not enough consultation with indigenous groups. They consulted. 
they just approved it. Is everything on track from your perspective now? This is the second time Justin Trudeau has made an announcement that he uh, will allow the pipeline to go ahead. But of course, uh, last time he failed to properly consult with Indigenous people. And and even after the court asked him to go back to the drawing board, he took about four or five times longer than he needed to to do that. Um, The court had asked for a very short um, targeted consultation that could have been done in a few months. In fact, fact, uh, Trudeau took about a year. The reality is Canadians want pipelines. The polls show it. The prime minister knows it. So he's going to pretend that he wants pipelines, too, until the election. And then after the election, he will find a way to deep-six this project. He'll find an excuse. He'll find a reason. Uh, There are still dozens of permits that have to be obtained before a single shovel can even go in the ground or a single inch of pipeline can even be installed. And Trudeau will find an excuse in one of those permits along the way to block this project because he is ideologically opposed to the oil sands. He says he wants to phase out the oil sands. And the only way to do that is to block uh, pipelines. And he's done that very successfully over the last three and a half years, having killed the Energy East pipeline, the Northern Gateway pipeline, and bungled the Trans Mountain pipeline. Um, he has been very successful in his goal to phase out the oil sands, and he will continue to execute that goal if he's reelected. Now, we were just talking to Elizabeth May. We, of course, know where she stands, but she says that it's a fallacy that this is good for the energy sector. And even the parliamentary budget officer um, says that every year of construction delay, and we are in delay, reduces the value of the project by nearly $700 million. Yes, absolutely, and we're, it is costing us a fortune. You have to recall, a private sector company was ready to build this pipeline with no government help, but the endless uh, permits, red tape, regulatory obstacles, and uncertainty that the Trudeau government has put in the way made the investment unattractive. They took their money and ours down to Texas, where they're building pipelines uh, with Canadian tax dollars. So uh, the, the reality is we don't need government involvement. We need the government to get out of the way and let the private sector do what it is doing all over the world, which is to build pipelines as the safest and cleanest way to transport petroleum to markets. Now, what you seem to be saying is just don't believe Justin Trudeau. Is is that going to be the way you fight the election, basically calling him a liar or a hypocrite or whatever? Well, I won't dispute either of those terms, but I would say he's not as advertised. He promised he'd balance the budget in 2019. He broke that promise. He promised electoral reform. He broke that promise. Uh, he promised uh, that he wouldn't raise taxes on the middle class, and now the average Canadian's paying an extra $800. So you can't believe anything he says before the election. He knows the public polling is very clear that roughly two-thirds of Canadians want pipelines. So he has to pretend that he does, too, until the election is over. And after that, nothing will happen. I can tell you, if he gets another four years, we'll be having this conversation a half decade from now, and there still won't be a pipeline built because he will have found a way to mess it up. Now, despite what those polls show, on the other side of the equation, the Green Party is really coming on and has a lot of support. So what do you say uh, to people who support that? Well, I I say that look at Andrew Scheer's plan today. 
today he will release a plan that will lower taxes to encourage lower pollution. He'll reward families and businesses that green their lifestyles and their operations. He will um, bring in tax incentives to uh, encourage green technology that could a green revolution uh, that will allow us to reduce emissions while maintaining uh, our our lifestyle and our quality of life. Uh, so uh, today you'll see a real environmental plan from Andrew Shear that focuses on technology rather than taxes. And I think the overwhelming majority of Canadians will side with that plan. Well, from what we know of the plan, and that, that of course, is from leaks, uh, one of the key planks of that plan is basically we are going to help other countries reduce their emissions by selling them products like liquefied gas. Now, uh, I'm looking at it, and when you say other countries, you mean China and India, and we can't even get China to take our canola. So how are we going to come and, and show them how to reduce their emissions? Well, the first of all, everyone acknowledges that Canadian Canada exports uh, clean energy that displaces foreign dirty energy. Let me give you one example. The liquefied natural gas plant uh, that uh, a consortium is building in northwestern uh, British Columbia is going to uh, reduce, going to eliminate about 90 million megatons of coal-fired emissions uh, in Asia. Uh, and that is because natural gas is much cleaner and lower emitting than is coal. We also have an abundance of civilian-grade uranium in Saskatchewan that can generate um, emissions-free and pollution-free electricity for people all around the world. In fact, we in Ontario get about 50% of our electricity from clean uranium, uh, which is an emissions-free source uh, of electricity that can replace coal and other more polluting sources uh, of electricity. So that is one part of our plan, of course, is to to tackle global emissions. We live in one planet. Uh, the planet doesn't know national borders, and, and therefore, if we can reduce a, a megaton of emissions right, in but, China... Right, but I'm asking, how do we, you know, the Chinese don't, don't like it when we uh, tell them anything, uh, when we talk to them about democracy and human rights and, and all of those other things. So, you know, how are we going to accomplish this. But we don't have to tell them anything. But yeah. the, the, the fact is our prices are lower. So um, money walks and they will want to, they, they already indicated that they are they want to buy our elect, our liquefied natural gas. That's why the private sector is building a 40 billion dollar liquefied natural gas plant in uh, British Columbia. Um, one uh, a plant that the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, admits will reduce global emissions by di- displacing foreign coal. By the way, the only way it could get built is by uh, giving it a carbon tax exemption. That's interesting. So uh, where are we on this? How big an issue do you think the environment will be ultimately in the election? We hope it's a big issue. Uh, obviously, we have, we have a, a better plan than Trudeau. His plan is just to raise taxes. You know, we can put a man on a moon. Uh, We have self-driving cars. We have voice recognition systems that allow us to write uh, without even moving our hands anymore. And yet the liberals think the only, the, the most advanced idea they've been able to come up with to save our environment is a tax hike. I mean, it is really pathetic. 
that that's all that the, that their imagination can produce. And today, Andrew Scheer will roll out a plan uh, for technology rather than taxes uh, that will bring about the breakthroughs that will save our planet. Okay. Well, we look forward to uh, seeing it. Pierre Polyever, thanks so much for being with us. Good to be with you. Okay. Let's take a call from John in Toronto. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Fine. Good, good. Uh, as I said before, I was a liberal. Our whole family's gone to conservative now. Uh, Trudeau here, uh, he keeps on changing his mind about everything, pipelines, green, this and that. We do need pipelines coast to coast to a point. Um, we shouldn't have any oil coming into Canada, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, whatever. We shouldn't. We should not. You, you agree with Elizabeth May on that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll be honest with you, I really like this Elizabeth May. Uh, I think she should get together with the Conservative Party because both parties don't lie and everybody else does. I mean, Trudeau keeps on changing his mind on everything. I mean, he's he talking green and then he buys a pipeline and then uh, I don't get this guy. I mean, it, just votes. I think that's all he wants is votes and taxes like... Uh, I told you that our family owns some properties out there in Niagara, and everything's shut down. The farmers don't even want to seed it no more. I mean, you know, China shut us down completely. Okay. Incredible, you know? Okay, John, thank you very much for that. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.